to Women Leading in Cannabis. I'm your host, Kira Reed. Thank you for joining us. Our guest today is Tiffany Watkins, founder and CEO of Vanguard Media. Welcome, Tiffany. Thanks for having me. Tiffany Watkins, aka Lady Canna, is a former IT professional, grassroots campaigner, long-term cannabis industry veteran, and founder of Vanguard Media. Vanguard is a media platform and magazine that's dedicated to women in cannabis. We proudly showcase the efforts, innovation, and creativity of all women. Whether they're just getting started or if they're veterans of the cannabis community, Vanguard is motivated to tell their stories. Tiffany began activism in 1990, where she campaigned and rallied along with many to support and push through the Compassionate Care Act. I have been looking so forward to talking with you, Tiffany. Um, We've become acquainted through House of Jane and since COVID. And I have just been so impressed with you as a person, as a woman, and a publisher. But I don't know a lot about you, so I'm really curious to hear your story. How did you go from IT professional to cannabis activist to publisher and founder of a magazine? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm happy to to answer that. And I know that, that many are intrigued of the transition and I think I equate that to time period and how young I was when I got started with uh, cannabis about 30 years ago. Um, I was about 18 and I was um, still in college. Um, and it was a time period where I saw so many suffering. Um, we were just still in the middle of the AIDS pandemic and, uh, you know, my friends in the LGBTQ community were suffering and also being treated like criminals for utilizing cannabis to take away some of the woes of medication and illness and just strife from not knowing what was next with HIV and AIDS. And we just, you know, when I noticed that that was happening, I started to dig a little deeper and I was like this, we can't stand for this. And I just kind of got in with groups that were um, pushing forward compassionate care. They've been working on it for some time. And I jumped in where I could. We helped to raise funds. We helped to do everything that we could. We acted within willful disobedience, I like to say, um, in bringing cannabis to people and, uh, you know, free of charge. And all this while I was earning my degrees and getting immersed in the uh, the technology industry, which was, you know, pretty booming uh, at the time. And it just became a strong passion. I realized I had a passion for the people and I had a passion for um, uplifting voices when those voices couldn't be heard loud enough. And I, it just really steamrolled. You know, I look back you know, 20, 30 years ago. And I go, gosh, it was everywhere with everyone at any given time, all while building my career in technology and never letting go of cannabis. So I think that's what gives me that strong platform that I have now that says, 
you know, we can't rest again. We are in the midst of so much unrest and there's so many stories to be told. I need to dig back into that activism and really uplift voices where I can. And, you know, what a better way than to dip in and grab stories from all across the country and publish them and help these women lift their voices in cannabis. So you've made the transition to publishing. And Mm -hmm. I was really curious what it must be like to be a black woman in publishing. So I looked up some statistics and, you know, I pretty much expected this. It wasn't surprising, but the headlines read the overwhelming whiteness of the publishing industry, the major built-in bias of the publishing world. Where is the diversity in publishing? And I dug into a few of the articles and reports and found that there it's interesting in publishing because it's an industry where it's not just about the people that are employed, but it's also about the people who are being the content of the magazines and the cover of the magazine. So there's there's a lot more in publishing where people are being people of color are kind of being held back. And then I was reading that there's this whole other layer, and there's lots of layers there that you have to deal with once you get in the door. And here's a quote from the New York Times, an article called A Conflicted Cultural Force, What It's Like to be Black in Publishing. It's assumed, and this is from an editor, she said, it's assumed that black editors don't know white books and white publishing, but we do, Tracy Shiraz says. What do you think we've been reading all these years? So it's really apparent that, you know, you are among, not just in cannabis, but in the world of publishing, among very, very, very few women of color who are a founder of a publication with, you know, with the exception, of course, of of Oprah Winfrey, probably one of the most successful publishers of all time. But it is a very, people of color, especially women of color, are so grossly underrepresented in this industry. What has that been like for you? What kind of challenges have you had to face in trying to do something where where there's so little representation? And has cannabis provided you an opportunity that might have been harder in a traditional uh, vertical? Absolutely. Um, I will say cannabis definitely has. And what it's provided for me is a niche market um, and a great opportunity to fill a need. And outside of that, I'm in direct agreement that um, people of color do not get proper representation and do not get a fair shot when it comes to publishing. Um, Not always. Has that directly affected me? I'm not going to say no, because it's always there. But I think that the true longevity and really the push for what I do right now in publishing comes from the fact that I I dug into a niche market and filled the need within cannabis to explore women specifically and their accomplishments and strife in the cannabis space. Had I not gone in that direction, I believe I would have to cross many more hurdles into getting my stories and my publication listen to and treat it seriously. Um, Look, publishing was not always uh, um, my forte. And, uh, you know, after research and seeing uh, there's fairness, there's unfairness, uh, it it led me down the pathway of picking uh, a niche environment 
and really moving in that direction because it's twofold, not just publishing, but also a movement. Vanguard sits in an interesting position um, where it's fueled uh, by the positivity and exploration of the people involved and outside input is not needed nor welcome, especially if it's going to be negative. So because it sits there in that movement space, I'm able to navigate in a different way. And why did you choose to focus solely on women? I know that you had mentioned a moment ago, you know, the importance of elevating women's voices. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, what is it, what is your mission to to do for the women of the cannabis industry? Sure. Um, look, it starts from my technology background. Oftentimes, I was the only woman involved on projects, off, even during school, especially um, especially when I was uh, seeking my second engineering degree. Um, oftentimes, I was the only woman involved, period. And it was um, an interesting time period for a young woman, number one, and uh, to understand the harassments and the innuendos and things and, and how I wasn't treated fairly, nor was I given a shot to really show my, um, to really spread my wings in the environment. Um, and I noticed that that happens, obviously, everywhere. And I started thinking, what are the things that I can do? And over the years, I have, you know, spoken many times uh, in in places in regards to women and how we relate to uh different situations and environments, especially when we're oftentimes looked down upon or take a seat, sweetie. And in, in, in that type of environment, what can we do? And, you know, when I fast forward to now and I go, we are really moving very quickly in cannabis. And the one thing that I, I see is that it's being very male operated and very male directed and, we need to make that stop. We don't need to make this mistake yet again for another industry um, in in our country. I just think that we really can, we can put together a playbook that the world can learn from and cannabis can be key in that. So I started looking into the stories of women who have created products, they've, uh, you know, ideas, helped their family for years and years. And we're not hearing a lot about that. We're hearing a lot about big business. We're hearing about deep pockets. We're hearing about a male-driven society that's kind of taken over our cannabis community. And I was like, there's got to be a way I can give back. And there's got to be a way that I can help uplift the voices of women. As I checked the statistics and saw that, we, you know, five, five, seven years ago, we were really making waves. And there was a high percentage of women climbing the proverbial ladder in cannabis positions and to see now in 2020 that that's dropped several points in percentage um something has to be done and i'll be one of many voices and i'll collect as many stories and i'll collect as as many bodies so that we can provide a united front to stand up for ourselves in this industry what do you see is the transformative power of sharing stories I think really it's the enlightenment. What I, the, the number one thing that I hear on a regular basis was I didn't know that was happening. Mm. And so I think that we're not talking enough 
We're going through, um, we're going through the motion, so to speak. We see the success and go, well, women are succeeding. And I can say firmly, women are succeeding in cannabis, but there's another side. And so as long as there's another side, then we have the front fascia of the success and the, and the glory. And then we have the other side that, that really is the backbone of what we do in cannabis and it's not being told. So we're not aware that there's a, a deep struggle and it's always, it doesn't always feel safe to, you know, when you pop out of this, this situation that was so toxic and you, you finally have some form of success it's not an easy story to tell how hard it was getting there, mm. especially as a woman. We're just supposed to take it and just keep going and, you know, be grateful for what we have. And I, I just don't believe that that is a standpoint that we need to continue with. We need to know the good, the bad, the ugly, and people need to know our story so we can work collectively to get fair treatment, fair pay. You know, when I can talk to a woman and she doesn't know that women who grow cannabis on the commercial regulated market are not master growers that are women are not being paid nearly as much as master growers that are men. When I can encounter women that still don't know that, I know that, that we all have work to be done. So in tradition, in the traditional world of, that I've worked in of technology, entertainment, consumer goods, there's um, an air that women put on to make themselves look successful. They have had no failures. They've had no challenges. I think that's a real disservice, but it, it paints aspiration. How do you deal with women's stories of failure? Do you encourage women to talk about failure? Do you encourage women to talk about their challenges? Or is it just about the end goal and the success? And if you do, what do you think is important about making sure we talk about those failures and challenges. I absolutely encourage women to talk about their failures and challenges. Um, I believe that it is essential in with the, the kind of the next generation coming behind us to know what we have been through, to be able to understand what it means to be successful. Look, to a certain extent as humans, we paint the picture that it's all golden and what you see in forms of success means this is, you know, this is it. I was one of the lucky ones and this fell in my lap, so to speak. And I think that that is the view when someone's struggling, they're trying to make it. They're trying to get to the point where they can say, I have done this. I am successful. And they're looking to us. And they're looking to, to, to many and saying, well, well they're, they're just not struggling at all. I think it's important that when, in, in just to bring it right back into the center of cannabis, that when we achieve something, that we need to lay out the entire game plan as to how we got there. Because the stories of the ups and downs, the failed attempts at this, that, or the other are very important to as teaching tools. So I definitely encourage uh, the women that I speak with and um, women that I have I've spoken to who have gone, I don't know if I should share this. I don't know if I can share this. I do not force anyone to share what they don't want to, but I do encourage them to at least share with themselves 
and take a look at it by maybe writing or journaling or maybe doing a, you know, some sort of voice recording. So you can, you can hear and kind of absorb what's happened to you and go, how can I help someone with this story? And I've recently done this with the, with the latest uh, issue of Vanguard. There's a, a, an insider story in there. I would encourage everyone to read about a woman who just didn't see it coming. Mm. And it took, this is a long time. We, we originally spoke earlier in the year when this was happening and it took her to this time of year, to the end of the year, to be able to just share. She was frightened. She was concerned. She was ashamed. And it took time for her to, to gather the oomph to just share the story with me and then to allow me to publish the story. And I can't say enough how proud I am of her and how I, I hold her experience on high because she learned mm-hmm. and others are going to learn. And ultimately her deciding factor was, I really think that I should share this because I want to be able to help another woman who doesn't see it coming. So that in itself is the reason I do what I do. And it's amazing that you know that that story is going to then be so empowering for another woman and another woman and encouraging them to share. And I think only through that process can we actually remove the stigma of shame when we don't have luck land in our laps. It isn't, it isn't an, a determination of our value in this world when we fail, but boy, I think that women really, we just, we just swallow all of it and yes. it, it then, it did, then determines our value and our worth going forward and it, we allow it to diminish us, but hearing other stories, it actually reminds us that not only of, am I not the only one that's gone through this, but I can get through it. Exactly. Exactly. That it doesn't, that, that this failure and the shame that society says I should feel about it doesn't have to stick and that I can learn. And on top of that, and better yet, I can teach. Yes. There are two concepts that I'm really exploring in our community this year, unity and power. How can we create a stronger community and use the power that being unified gives us? I'm going to put this in a really simple way. And I, even though I know this is a complex issue, we just need to do it. Mm. We need to act in a unified manner amongst ourselves as women. Mm -hmm. Many times, and I have called it out and I've even spoken publicly about this predatory women. We don't need to be predatory to ourselves. We are trying to build a united front to stop men from utilizing our services and not paying us from taking our ideas and claiming them as, as their own. We don't need to operate like that within our own community of women. We want to build a tribe and everyone says, oh, build your tribe. They build their tribe, but they almost build a clan that has a closed door. Mm-hmm. Be open for your tribe to be as large and as wide as the world itself of women. Just do that. And build the unity. And that is going to be our power that is going to propel us into a future of equality. And it's going to take us all. How do we deal with 
women in our community that are predatory that may not realize that that's what they're doing. You know, we've seen many times um, somebody will do something that hurts another person. And then the person who's been hurt takes it to social media, blasts it all over the place, wants to gather people in her camp against this other person. We've seen this play out so many times. How do we get through this as a community and find unity again? By talking with one another. If someone does something that's adverse or insulting, or you just don't understand what's transpired, you need to say to that woman, I don't understand what's happening here. And I, we may be getting off on the wrong foot. This may be a misunderstanding. Can we talk this through? Because going to social media after someone has quote unquote wronged you does not do anything. The venting feels good for a second, I imagine, but what does it do in the long run? It just builds animosity. And now you're creating a tribe off of this misinformation or miscommunication. If the, if the person doesn't know they've done anything, then how can they change the behavior? We need to have the guts to stand up to each other. If someone says something to me and she is offensive, I'm gonna say, I didn't quite understand where you're coming from. You wanna maybe phrase that again, or can we talk further? I'm not going to go to you, Kara, and go, hey, Sally said so-and-so-and-so-and-so so that we can sit here and talk about it. You're not a part of that situation. So it's fruitless. It doesn't really do anything. We need to stop doing these little feel-good, you know, what I call the sassafras society. We don't need to do that anymore. We need to take it right back to the woman that we feel was being predatory or mean and say, hey, what's going on? Find out what her point of view is. And simply, sometimes we, bullies need the biggest thing. The one thing we can do for bullies is call them out. Yeah. And to their face, you don't need to do it behind their back or on social media or any of that. Just right to the face. Hey, what are you doing? I don't like that. I don't like it. And you're going to stop it. You're not going to treat me like that. And just stand up for yourself. Because a lot of times that can squash a lot of that. Very true. Having the courage to stand up to it and say, this is not okay. So I'm, I am curious about if we could get past that, if we could find a way to become more unified, we would have such incredible power. What could we do with that power? With that power, I think that we can finally enjoy equality. Because we can't, I mean, you know, when we say it, even us talking here, it's it sounds so grand. It sounds so rose-colored. And really what we're all fighting for is to be treated equally and with respect. And with that, it's just coexistence, the ups and downs of life, but we're supporting each other, all humans, not male humans versus female humans. All humans are doing that together equally. And that's, you know, it's, it's very simple, but I think that we will find a great peace in that and accomplishment. How do you use Vanguard to accomplish that, aside from telling women's stories? Um, because I encourage, I encourage men to listen to the stories. While I'm searching for stories from, from women and fielding stories from women, I'm also answering questions from men and uh, really zeroing in and defining allyship, both for and with men. Because I think that's important. We can't just focus on one side and leave the other to, to just kind of fall, fall away from us and not really know what we're doing. This is a, an effort that needs to come from both sides. 
But of course, I'm going to uplift and foster the women because that's where I see we're not getting a, a lot of play. But with men, I definitely want to hear their side, what they don't know, how they, if they feel they're allies, then what are you doing? Can you share that? And so I think that that kind of holistic approach to this is going to also help when we do finally slough off all of the nonsense and kind of build that equality uh, that, that I'm looking for. I, I do believe that if we could create that unity, the, the, the power that we could have to actually change things, it gives me chills because I, I listen, I, you know, I, I interview so many incredible women. I listen to their stories and similar to you, they were the one woman at the table. They were the pioneer in their vertical. These women have such incredible power. And if we could gather the ranks behind these women, if we could get at all levels of women in this industry focused on exactly what you said, we are, we can change things. We can make things more equal. We can reach this goal that we've all been trying for if we come together. And I'm so excited to hear that Vanguard has such a strong place in this movement to be an amplifier of stories and a builder of allyship. That's, that's so amazing. What advice do you have for women who want to get into magazine publishing? It, you have such a, a, a tool to amplify. Or do you encourage other women to get involved in publishing? And, and if so, what advice do you have for them? I certainly do uh, encourage women to get into publishing. I encourage women to get into to almost every uh, <laughs> anything and everything they can imagine. Right? Um, my advice, if if someone really wants to get involved in publishing, is to see where you fit in the supply chain of that. Are you a storyteller, sharer, dot connector, um, networker? What, what is it that you, where's your passion lie? And once you determine that, then see how far you can take your passion in that direction and how many others you will need in order to accomplish that. I think that it is something that can grow quite organically um, if you have your mindset uh, in the direction of what you want and what you're passionate about, what's the end goal, and then just start building and collecting and listening. Looking forward to legalization and or descheduling, decriminalization, what do you see for the future of Vanguard as the world changes over the next five years in their receptivity to cannabis? Um, I think that, you know, in the short term, over the next three to five years, I'm going to see a lot of policy makers and um, policy analysts sharing their experience along the ride of legislature um, because there's there's a lot there. I have many conversations as I've been involved um, in a few coalitions um, to kind of figure out what we're going to do with cannabis at the federal level. Um, and so I'm starting to hear a lot of stories there. And I think we're going to have um, a lot of tales told and we are going to um, have an opportunity to kind of share with the people their kind of the real deal. 
And I do look forward to that. I'm, I'm, I'm fingers crossed that that is that what I'm seeing in the future in my crystal ball, uh, so to speak, is is what we're going to is what's going to happen, because I think that we don't have enough of the the business owners and and I'm just small business owners, you know, they're, they're not really living that kind of corporate cannabis life. They're just, you know, doing what it is they do best and um, consumers and healers kind of more understanding what it means to have this regulated law, especially a regulated law of the land cover cannabis from coast to coast. We definitely need more education in that spot. And I am looking forward to the stories told. Who are some of the women at that policy level who are on the streets in DC that we should be aware of? Well, I don't want to just pick DC because we are really, we've got policymakers, uh, you know, kind of across the country that are at different levels. And I will say um, Courtney Davis is working uh, heavily um, with uh, Marijuana Policy Matters. Um, We've got people like uh, Roz McCarthy, um, who works very closely with people in DC and is very pivotal in um, answering questions and changing minds. Um, We've got people like Wanda James, who just has a reach that is amazing. And she's also changing minds and enlightening people. And she she takes the answer of no from no one. Um, It's just, we've, we've got so many people working in such a positive direction and they're being heard, so it's working. Um, that I'm just excited. I'm excited to see what's coming. That's awesome. So what are you excited about in the next year of 2021? And what are you concerned about in 2021? In the next year, I'm excited just to, I mean, I think it's the elephant in everyone's room. I'm excited to just be getting away from 2020 for a minute. <laughs> um, but truthfully, I'm, I'm excited for new pathways and coming out of 2020 uh, with the with no expectations, because I think we had a lot when we got to 2020, everyone was excited and it just slapped us in the face. So I think that we'll all bridge into the next year, a little cautious, a little road weary, but definitely motivated to make more and build more. Um, so I'm really super excited for that. Do you have any events coming up or a launch of anything that you want to share with us? Um, right now, I don't have any events coming up. But I will share this. Uh, 2021 is going to be uh, a lot of action for Vanguard. Um, And it's going to start with uh, a blast of women's empowerment. And um, yeah, and we're going to go from there. I'm super excited. So everybody uh, keep a, a watchful eye out. How do we find Vanguard and how do we get in touch with you? Absolutely. Um, Vanguard, you can find me anywhere, but uh, Vanguard can be uh, checked out and purchased and read a little bit of our blog at www.vanguardmediaonline.com. And you can find me personally um, in all of my social media and websites and other by actually Googling Tiffany Watkins Cannabis and everything pops right up uh, the first few lines. And you can always find me Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, the whole lot. Okay. I have one last question for you. How do you decide who goes on the cover? 
Oh, that is such a great question. Um, I would love to say that I had some dynamic process of, of <laughs> algorithm, uh, you know, with my, te my technical mind, but I don't. Um, I go through uh, the stories after the layouts have been created. And typically um, I choose a story that I feel women can really look to, look up to and learn from. And I put that person on the cover. Awesome. Well, we're so grateful that we have you, that we have Vanguard as a place to honor women and share their stories. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for sharing your time and journey with us today. It was really nice getting to know you. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to be here with you. I really enjoyed it. Ladies, thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't yet joined the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, please go to our website, womenempoweredincannabis.com and find your group. Supply Chain, CBD and Hemp, and the recently launched Women of Color Group. WEIC is a community that provides resources, connections, events, and content to women working in cannabis in the U.S., Canada, and around the world where there's an interest in cannabis legalization. We welcome, we welcome women who currently work in cannabis or are curious about taking the leap into the industry. Join us next week for another conversation with women leading in cannabis. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConnex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.